The Start On Demand. On demand. Yeah, when we went, when we were talking yesterday about, okay, well, that's weird. There's a backlog, but apparently not more crashes and not staffing issues. Uh, Credits to our team here at CGOB and over at Global News for just, and for you, Greg, actually, who had someone tell you uh, about this backlog a couple days ago, it's not as simple as it seems. And we're getting a lot of answers this morning about what the issues might be about class one licensing, a customer service, maybe some loopholes within the trucking industry. And uh, I think it's worth a huge conversation throughout the day. Yeah, two or three stories really coming out of this. And all the credit goes to our listeners who have said, hold on, this doesn't add up. And we've had folks say, I'm hearing this is happening, I'm hearing that is happening, and that allows us to ask some more specific questions, and we got some more specific answers. I don't know if we got all the answers that we want, and quite frankly, some of the answers are a little bit bothersome. We'll dissect those and and talk about those throughout the morning. I know a lot of folks, this is a delicate one, Amber Alert, 1036 last night, tragic end to a situation in southern Ontario. But when we walk into the studio this morning, first text message from one of our loyal listeners, I get it, I understand what happened, but aren't these things supposed to be regional in nature? So This is a Peel, Peel was basically a Toronto area correct. police detachment. They put out the alert that this 11-year-old had gone missing. People in Manitoba ended up getting that alert. In the end, this girl was found dead. Um, and it's a terrible story that they're going to continue to follow there in terms of what happened, who was responsible. Her father's the one who's believed to have abducted her. There's lots of questions there, but this this re- kind of reminds us, we had that Amber Alert situation from Saskatchewan yes. in the fall. Um, and it wasn't even, I'm trying to remember now, sorry, Lloyd Minster, uh, somewhere sort of west of Saskatoon. But the but the the fact that they were moving west. We could argue that, that it made sense for Manitoba to be brought into that because... Someone could drive here within sure. five or six hours. Right. So we'll uh, we'll get your f- feedback on that because, Brett, I think we can all acknowledge it's a little bit of a, a fragile discussion when an 11-year-old girl has lost her life. But that goes to show you how serious these these situations are, and then that's why the alert might be important in tracking a person down. And so we need to get, if this, that's going to be part of the system, we need to get that system working. I still have never received an alert. You did get it last night, Brett? Well, yeah, like when I got up this morning, I keep my phone outside of the bedroom. Like uh, there's one alarm in the bedroom and then I keep mine sort of outside of the bedroom. It's like a secondary thing and eventually it'll jostle me awake. I didn't hear the thing go off. I did have it on my phone. I got up and I saw that there was this alert and I thought, oh my God, when did this come in? But as I thought about it, I, I seem to recall having a conversation with my girlfriend about it. 
Uh, I just couldn't rem- I couldn't remember when the conversation happened, so I'm assuming it happened when we were sleeping and we both just kind of woke up briefly and said, what was that? And, oh, it's an emergency alert. Okay. And then went back to sleep. So it did go off on her phone. I don't know if my phone made the sound, but I certainly got the notification. So. Mine was on silent, and Loren, we were talking about this this morning. It's our understanding that the system is designed to override a situation where you have your phone on silent. It didn't in my case. At least I don't think it did. I don't think I turned it off subconsciously, but uh, once again, I think uh, questions being raised about the way these Amber Alerts are, are being delivered. Also, a heads up, Pembina Highway, once again, to be closed over the long weekend because there are, they're going to be doing new girders for the new rapid transit way over Pembina Bridge. So that's going to close tonight at 8 p.m. through 4 a.m. on February 19th. On Monday, of course, a lot of people having Monday off. Some of you might have forgotten you had a holiday the 19th today. 19th is Tuesday. Yes. Oh, through Monday yeah. into early yeah. Tuesday morning, right? The, over, closure, the yeah. overnight. Uh, some changes this time versus the last time. There were no parking restrictions in place on Jubilee or Osborne the last time they did this. Lots of folks in the area trying to get through there suggesting, hey, do you think maybe we could adjust that? The city seems to have listened, and there will be parking restrictions in place on Jubilee and parts of Osborne, so you'll want to keep an eye open for that. Yeah, that, I mean, I'll say this a million times. I used to drive everyone crazy over at the TV side because I would drive in on Pemina every single day yep. to get downtown. I don't know why I chose that way. And I would just come in so furious because it's been a difficult few years to get through Jubilee and with all the construction there. So part of me is like, you know what, a closure like eliminates that stress because you just can't, can't, can't go, go there. there at all. So at least you won't be like, what is happening? Why is this so ugh, frustrating to get through? Up next, more on MPI. I feel kind of like Hans Gruber. I give you the MPI. Is it bad if I say who's Hans? From Die Hard. Oh, oh Ford J just threw his arms up. He's like, come on. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It is totally okay. Not everyone loves Die Hard uh, as much as the couch potatoes do. And clearly Jeff Forte as well. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this Friday morning. And we want to carry on with a conversation we had yesterday morning regarding Manitoba public insurance. Yeah, discussing the fact that many of you might be experiencing and might have experienced obstacles in getting through to MPI to file a claim. We are experiencing a higher than normal volume of calls, and as a result, you may experience some delay. If the claim you are reporting does not affect your vehicle's roadworthiness, please give us a few days to deal with the emergency calls and then call us again. We thank you for your patience at this time. So we received an explanation from MPI uh, late Wednesday that we were telling you about yesterday morning that essentially suggested there wasn't anything specific contributing to the delays. We want to thank several of our listeners who suggested, you know what, dig deeper because this doesn't all add up. So Brian Smiley joined Hal Anderson yesterday afternoon with some much updated information. What's happening over there? It's not good. Uh, We're not pleased with it. Uh, As your many texters and callers are telling you, they're not able to get through Uh, The fact of the matter is that we are receiving heavier than normal uh, calls regarding Class 1 driver testing. We can now confirm that. I sent you some statistics earlier. Over the last seven days, we've received 2,500 calls relating to Class 1 driver's appointments and another 1,500 for all other driver classes. One year ago, same time frame, 1,000 calls in total. So you can see what's going on here. It's... uh, 
Uh, our call lines are extremely uh, busy. We also know that there's people that are using multiple phones to try and contact us. So uh, it's uh, literally a perfect storm for a delay. You're getting... Just for class one licenses, uh, road tests, almost four times the normal number of calls you would get. That is correct. And uh, I think Terry Shaw, well, I know Terry Shaw explained it pretty well, why we're seeing this. Ontario went with something called MELT, mandatory entry-level training, uh, last summer. Uh, the summer of 2017, actually, pardon me. Manitoba is working towards pre-licensing training here, Saskatchewan, Alberta, etc. Um, and so we believe that a lot of people are trying to get their license in advance of a requirement to try and train uh, or having to train for that license. So it's causing congestion because more people are trying to get their license today as opposed to taking some time. Uh, the flip side of that coin, though, is, is people are coming untrained, and as such, um, we understand that the pass-fail rates are, are down, and so instead of taking one or two tests to get your license, some people are taking four, five, six, et cetera, right? which is, um, you know, causing congestion. Again, when people call us to book an appointment, we're not asking them why they're doing it. So we can't speculate what's caused this dramatic increase. However, uh, we do have, uh, we, we, we shuffle some of our staff around internally. Uh, we're going to be putting extra people on the phones, uh, keeping in mind that we're capable of taking, handling 100 live calls with another 40 in the waiting queue. And then anybody after that 141, they're going to be hearing the recorded message. And the people calling for a class one road test, uh, Brian, any numbers on how many people out of province might be wanting to take their class one test here? Well, as Terry said, they're not allowed to take any class one testing here. If you're not a resident of Manitoba, you are not uh, eligible to receive uh, a driver's license. You have to be a resident of Manitoba. We have people coming in from other provinces that are they need to establish residency they need to establish identity it's a very thorough process we've tightened it up as we moved along here and again so for people that are hoping to get class one here uh, there is a process that they are obligated to go through we will hear more from terry shaw later this morning about the changes coming in the trucking industry lots of questions to be asked and answered out of this simple story about not being able to get through to mpi and loren your point yesterday about needing to get your taillight fixed in order to avoid some other prosecution did not go unnoticed by our friend Brian Smiley at MPI. If you have been in a collision, uh, again, if your vehicle is drivable, you, you're not obligated to open a claim immediately. You have a little bit of time period. And uh, having listened to the folks at the start this morning uh, with Loren, she mentioned, you know, if you break off a, a tail light, you want to get it fixed. Well, that's absolutely true. And like, we can see that we and we recognize that. But again, uh, the call volumes that we're receiving right now are high. Uh, but again, it's a, a perfect storm, so to speak. So I'd made the point that, like they said, don't call. And they're, I think they're still saying that, Greg. Are they still saying don't call unless it's an emergency for your vehicle? If it's undrivable. Right. It all depends on the time of the day okay. based on what we're dissecting from all these conversations. Later in the evening, off-peak hours. Saturday mornings, off-peak hours. As Smiley said to Anderson yesterday, well, it won't be off-peak hours now because of all the people listening today will be calling on Saturday. <laughs> but you get the point. Right. It's because sort of a hit and miss situation. If I have a light, I, would, of course. I could get a ticket. I don't want to drive with that or I want to get that fixed as soon as possible. Well, Although my dad would say I should know how to fix that myself. And 
fine. I, w- I wouldn't know how to fix it. Well, the light you bulb prob- thing. You probably have lots of practice. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just guessing. <laughs> Anyone at MPI is listening? No. no. I mean, no practice whatsoever. We want to start once again with the Amber Alert that went out late last night. Yeah, a couple of different things here. Peel Regional Peace Police sent out this tweet uh, in the last oh, several hours here at 1.56 a.m. Our communications bureau is receiving numerous calls to 911 complaining about the late hour of the Amber Alert. As a direct result of someone receiving the alert, we were able to locate the suspect and his vehicle. The system works. Thank you to all those that called with tips. Because we've had people, because because what happened is that alert was felt here in Manitoba too. Some people did it, some people some people got it, some people didn't. We've got questions about how the system is working and why we'd get that alert in Manitoba for a southern Ontario situation. At the end of the day, they're saying a girl is dead, a man has been arrested thanks to this system. So I have a, I cannot believe I, I can see people in Manitoba questioning why they were part of that alert. I cannot believe someone in Toronto area was getting that alert on their phone last night for a little girl who had been allegedly abducted by her father. She's now been found deceased, and you're mad about that? Well, Drex would agree with you for the most part. Drex, of course, hosts the shift here on 680 CJB here at Overnight. Late addition this morning to the hashtag imbecile index. <laughs> Any Canadian that complained to 911 or on social media about getting a late night hashtag Amber Alert, please, let's try harder not to be selfish. Um, you fill in the blank. A young girl lost her life and you're worried about sleep. And I, I, I can't do an Aussie accent, but I'll do my best. Shut up. And that's uh, that's more Scottish, I think. Uh, that's from Drex. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like there are questions about the system and should someone in Vancouver, because Drex is in Vancouver, does a Vancouver person need to get an Amber Alert for uh, an abduction in Southern Ontario? I don't know. I don't know what the officials would say to that. But do the people in Southern Ontario need to be getting an alert about an abduction in Southern Ontario? Yes. And do you need to be calling 911 to complain about it? No, you need to be calling them with tips, which is what someone did. Correct. Story ended tragically, but that proves the system in that region was helpful in at least having a conclusion. And we don't know as well, like we get the alert because we don't know where these people are. If this guy's in the wind with his daughter, we don't know where he's going to pop up next. He could very well end up in Manitoba. Who's to say? I mean, they they try to put those out within minutes of fitting all that criteria. Was that girl supposed to be at home? Do we know who may have taken her? They have a whole list that they go through, but as soon as they do, the Amber Alert is crucial in saying, you've only got hours usually in these cases to resolve them successfully. Who's to say within that 45 minutes he wasn't at an airport and on a plane somewhere. I mean, we just, I don't know how the, the police working goes, but I do know that the system has to work for the public to be involved. Every minute counts. There's no question about it. We were telling you earlier in the show about some digging we've been doing, Loren, on that backlog at Manitoba Public Insurance. As we were telling you yesterday, crashes weren't a major major part of the problem. They were they were part of the issue, but that wasn't why there was this larger volume. It turns out, we've learned from MPI, that there's been also a rise in appointments for people looking to get their truck driving license. So that's your class one. Over the last week alone, MPI has had more than 2,400 calls for class one testing. 
in that same week last year, so in the same period last year, they saw just 1,000 appointment calls for testing overall, which includes not just your class one, but your class five. So the volume is way up. And we wanted to know what's going on there. The Manitoba Trucking Association believes a lot of people are trying to get their license before training becomes mandatory. Right now, anyone applying for a Class 1 license in Manitoba doesn't have to complete training first. That doesn't mean they don't get trained before they hit the road. They really usually do, but it's just not part of the licensing requirement. Here's Terry Shaw. What's going on is that uh, Ontario went with something called MELT, mandatory entry-level training, uh, last summer. Uh, the summer of 2017, actually, pardon me. Manitoba is working towards pre-licensing training here, Saskatchewan, Alberta, et cetera. Um, and so we believe that a lot of people are trying to get their license in advance of a requirement to try and train uh, or having to train for that license. So it's causing congestion because more people are trying to get their license today as opposed to taking some time. Uh, the flip side of that coin, though, is this people are coming untrained and as such, um, we understand that the pass-fail rates are, are down, and so instead of taking one or two tests to get your license, some people are taking four, five, six, uh, et cetera, right, which is um, you know causing congestion. So it's not clear when training will be mandated in Manitoba. We asked the minister responsible, Ron Schuler, to come on and explain that to us. His office declined, simply saying that stakeholders have been meeting to address this issue and talk about all the different things they want to uh, address within the trucking industry. I then asked, do we have a timeline then for when we might see this mandatory training or when the stakeholders will stop their meetings and put forward a report? We didn't get a response on that. We went back to the Trucking Association. They said the province actually has funding available for a pre-employment training program, and that's the route many drivers take and should continue to take for now. If you're looking for a Class 1 license as a path to a job as a truck driver, that's the way to do it. Having a Class 1 license is a license to drive. It's not a license to work as a truck driver. You need to be trained for that. And that's a very common misconception and something that we're trying to address. We're not going to put people in the truck that aren't ready to work successfully. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that company's name on the side of the truck. They want their employees to be safe and successful. And so that involves training, pre-licensing, post-licensing on the job as with any other industry. Does everybody work to that standard? Not necessarily. Unfortunately, there's no legal requirement for that right now. And so those are some of the elements we are trying to change. And that's not a Humboldt issue. It's gotten a lot of attention post-Humboldt. But these are items that we've recognized and been speaking out against um, for many years, quite frankly. But we are seeing good progress in terms of coming to your Class 1 licensing test with some minimum amount of training um, that will be a reality in Manitoba when, not too sure, but that, you know, the folks at MPI and Manitoba Infrastructure are hard at work on That's that. Terry Shaw, Manitoba Trucking Association, in conversation with Hal Anderson yesterday afternoon. I have to tell you guys, this next clip we're about to play for you really caught my attention. So not only is the licensing situation for individual drivers a concern and something that the Manitoba Trucking Association has been in conversation with the provincial government about for a long time. Time, Terry says there's something else that needs to be fixed. The work we're doing in terms of road safety and road safety policy and road safety advocacy, um, you know, seeking training support, seeking greater 
on-road enforcement seeking, um, you know, uh, application criteria for trucking companies in Manitoba. Like in, in order to set up a trucking company in Manitoba, it's a one-page application form. Like it's harder to start a coffee shop in Manitoba than it is a trucking company. And mm. that needs to change. And these are not elements that um, kind of hit our radar post-humble. These no, are items that yeah. we've been... You've been on this for years. Decades, yeah. some of these things, right? So, um, you know, humble was tragic and... You know, if there is some positive that's going to come out of this, it's getting some of these issues on the public radar, the political radar, and and seeing some change, which in Manitoba, one step, and it can't be the only one, but one step right now is that pre-licensing training requirement. So Shocking. Terry Shaw saying it's easier to open your own trucking company and start that in Manitoba than to open a coffee shop. And that they've been talking about this for years. It's not just like just recently that they've been flagging the issues here. Yesterday, Jeff Braun put together a wonderful report here that we want to share with you to set it all up. Have you ever had a personalized license plate application rejected? Global News anchor Jeff Braun tells us about the plight of a Saskatchewan man and how the rules apply in Manitoba. There's a bizarre fight over personalized license plates in Saskatchewan that seems to harken back to a classic Seinfeld episode. Did you get your new plates? Oh, Yeah, I got my new plates, but they mixed them up. Somebody got mine and I got their vanity plates. What do they say? Ass man. Yes, a Saskatchewan man has had his ass man plate rejected, even though it is his real last name. Ass man. He's the ass man. Now, to be fair, he says it's pronounced Osman. It likely would be rejected here in Manitoba, too. MPI has some fairly strict guidelines regarding vanity plates, especially ones that are profane, sexually suggestive, alcohol or drug-related, contain racial or ethnic slain, discriminatory, obscene, religious, or violent. Those rules were bad news for Manitobans who tried to sneak plates through, ones like Dr. Poop, Mmm Beer, and Not a Cop. As for our friend in Saskatchewan... Ashman! He got his revenge by emblazoning his truck's tailgate with his name in giant letters. Jeff Braun, Global News. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> well done, Jeff. And I, do you have a story about personalized plates? Oh, just a couple years ago, I was visiting friends in London, Ontario, and uh, she and I were driving through the parking lot of a Canadian tire, and there's this truck stopped in front of us, so we stopped right behind it, and I looked at the plate, and the plate said Jay Braun on it. And I was like, what? As I told her, I was like, take a picture of that license plate. That might be me in the future or something. <laughs> wow. And she texted me, that was two years ago, summer 2017. She texted me two days ago and said, that stupid Jay Braun truck just splashed us. <laughs> it's infamous now. So, yeah, so it's out there in London, Ontario, somewhere. I was driving, uh, I can't remember where, and uh, yeah, I was on Stradbroke, I think, and I saw this uh, w- this truck. It had the license plate. The vanity plate was it was Jake Gyllenhaal's last name, or Jake Yeelenhall, as you I believe you actually pronounce it. But it was you know condensed to fit, and there was like a sticker of Jake Gyllenhaal's face on the back of the truck. So I was wow. able to snap a picture of this, and I think I put it on Twitter. And eventually, the woman at the wheel said, "Hey, that's my truck." And I looked at the profile. Sure enough, it's all Jake Gyllenhaal stuff. <laughs> if that doesn't uh, keep him out of Winnipeg, what will? <laughs> so I thought, "Hey, that's cool." But yeah, you see all sorts of uh, amusing plates. Um, And there have been all kinds of stories, even recently as well, about plates that are denied. For example, there is a Manitoba man who's been squabbling with the province for a couple of years. He's a Star Trek fan, 
and uh, Couch Potatoes, Star Wars versus Star Trek. We have tickets to give away at 8.37 today. Look at that. He's filed a legal... Beauty. Yeah. He's filed a legal challenge after he wants to have A-S-I-M-I-L-8, the number 8, license plate revoked, assimilate. What is that? The Borg? Yeah, the Borg, yeah. So he, they were told, he was told in 2017, can't do that. And uh, he's now filed a legal challenge over that. So you, you, this is the kind of stuff that pops up all the time where people want their plates and they get shot down and then they, they fight over it. It seems like I feel like we might be going a little bit too far because some of the ones we got the list for yesterday can. Like one was Heisenberg, which I think is referencing yeah. Breaking Bad. Yeah. P. Walker, which would be Paul Walker, who was in the Fast and Furious. So you're promoting bad driving. And like, yeah, and then really, he, well, yeah, then he, he died in that uh, car but, accident. Or, but you, really, you really have to make a leap, I think, to find the controversy, though, it feels like. It's like well, we're going looking for all the possible ways people could be offended and then just declining it based on that? I don't know. Well, I think that's obviously someone's job, right, Cam, is to find. It's like when you're naming your child, <laughs> yeah. you have to go, now, I like that name, but... Take a step back here. What are the rhymes? What are the different ways that this this could turn against my exactly. child if I name them this? It's got to be somebody's job at MPI that just like <laughs> goes over this thing and says, "How could this be perceived by anybody?" Correct. And uh, but you know, I, and I, I agree with you, Lauren. I think it's uh, some of these are, are a stretch, and uh, I don't think anybody would actually be offended by it. Uh, but like, is it one person that would come would come forward and then they would complain and th- and then what happens after that? Is that what they're kind of trying to get ahead of? Like Heisenberg, am I going to be behind that guy and be like, oh, I wonder if he's got meth in that car? Yeah. Like I should be really worried <laughs> that the like I like I, is it maybe promoting meth? I maybe, but it's just an interesting. Some of them are a stretch. I think so. There's I, no question. And some of them you've got to be smart enough to figure out what they are. Yeah. Uh, oh boy, what was that Bumper Stumpers game yeah. show? I was terrible at that one. Well, there's, so. there's another story uh, right here in Manitoba from just a few days ago. There's a Cree man from Manitoba who is losing his personalized plate. I'm looking at APTN right now. He had the plate for seven years on his car, the letters NDN car. Mm, mm. And now it's being revoked under their guidelines. Just as of like the, within the last week, he's having to surrender the plate. So you, you figured that one out, Loren? I did. I see looking. I was like looking at, at the, the ceiling, ceiling, like as if yes. it was a chalkboard, yeah, and I was spelling it, it out, out, and I was like, "Got it." Okay. Well, they do the spelling bee, and they flip their name tag, and they kind of write it. It's the same sort of thing you did. We got a great picture here. I don't know what kind of classic car this is, Jeff. How are you with cards? Not I, good at I'm all. I'm not even going to guess, but it says I own it, and lots of people asking the question: Is this ass man in Saskatchewan the same ass man that was on David Letterman for no. those years? It's a different. Yeah. That was Dick Ass Man, who had <laughs> a Petro Canada station in uh, Regina, and of course his name was up in lights in Regina. Uh, I believe it's Dave Ass Man is the the other Osman. There's got to be a relation though, of some sort. Well, you would think there's yeah. some yeah. connection. Speaking of targets, mm. shots being fired, city and province. What's yeah. going on there? Giant rift between the city of Winnipeg and the province appears to be growing. As you may already know, there has been squabbling over funding questions from Winnipeg Mayor Brian Bowman about his desire to have a face-to-face meeting with Premier Brian Pallister. And then yesterday, a war of words that started on Twitter. Here's what Provincial Finance Minister Scott Fielding wrote. Wow, just went through the city's report. 16 million more in taxes on new home buyers. Disappointed, all decisions seem to start and end with raising or creating new taxes. A tweet that prompted Mayor Brian Bowman to say this. This is a government that promised during their campaign to be more collaborative. 
I mean, their motto after all was better together. And I don't think they demonstrate that when they troll uh, municipal leaders. And so um, I, I think the, the, you know, I think more constructive dialogue from the province would be helpful to demonstrating the uh, collaborative spirit that was promised when they were seeking office. So is there an issue here? Is there something that needs to be fixed? For more, we're joined by Associate Professor of Political Science at Brandon University, Kelly Saunders. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, good morning. So if we're listening to this back and forth, this tit-for-tat kind of thing that's been going on for the past few months, as voters for both city and provincial governments, what should we be thinking? Should we be concerned about this relationship? Yes, I think we should be. I mean, it's certainly not serving anybody well, not Winnipeggers, not Manitobans in general. And uh, I think it really needs to come to a stop. Is this a, a an historical difference when there are conservative provincial governments and the relationship with the city? The the Tories seem to have a little bit of a stronger support base, not not only in rural Manitoba, but it's certainly stronger outside of the city of Winnipeg. Does that play into this at all? Well, I think you know there's always going to be a source of friction, uh, depend you know regardless of what political party is in office between a city and the provincial government because you know quite frankly there's never enough money to go around so that's always going to be a source of pressure for both levels of government but I, I don't recall ever seeing the uh, the problem quite this bad before. May not have rec- I was thinking that this morning myself, Kelly. But then I was also thinking, you know, we had different mayor four years ago, or we had a different government. It was the NDP then. I mean, does that not play into it a little bit? Different political stripes, different attitudes. Well, I think it has more to do with the governing style of this particular premier, and uh, and certainly the the governing style then that that the entire government has taken on the provincial government. I mean, certainly we've seen the premier pick fights with other levels of government, whether it be the federal government. He's also taken shots at other provinces. I'm thinking of some of his recent comments about Quebec. So, you know, this isn't the first time. So I think it has more to do with the fact that it's he has a particularly abrasive, uh, aggressive style of, of management, and we're seeing that play out now. Is it also, and I, and I hate to sound like, hey, have you heard of this newfangled social media stuff? I think it's <laughs> going to catch on. But I feel like social media has provided politicians with a new way to, to grandstand. Is that contributing to this at all? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that's really unfortunate because, as you know, the Twitterverse operates 24-7. And so it gives uh, politicians free reign to kind of say whatever pops into their head without necessarily sort of thinking through it and screening a little bit and, and really thinking about the bigger picture. There's no time for reflective thought. You just tweet whatever pops into your head. And so that gets everybody into problems because, again, there's consequences for actions and tweets, but uh, politicians, unfortunately, don't stop to think about that. And I think that's what we're seeing happening here. Well, you mentioned consequences. What are the potential consequences of these two leaders, the two Bryans, not getting together face to face? Well, the consequences are that there's going to be important infrastructure projects or really anything of of consequence that's going to be happening affecting the city. And if you've got the two heads of government, you know, in the province not being able to sit down and work through their issues, you know, it's going to be at the end of the day, projects aren't going to be completed on time. They're perhaps not going to be completed as effectively and efficiently as they could be. And, And there's going to be a lot of questions raised about due diligence. So it's going to be the voters at the end of the day that are really going to suffer if these two leaders can't find a way to work out their problems. But Kelly, the Premier holds the cards there. I mean, if he doesn't have a meeting with the city, that doesn't necessarily impact 
their role or their decision making in a sense it it really is the it puts the mayor and the city of Winnipeg in a real position well for sure it's the province that holds the cards but at the end of the day you know municipalities cities are creatures of the province so Winnipeg is only allowed to function really well in terms of financing and being able to move forward on significant projects uh, as long as it's got the support and the guidance of the province so it's not like the premier can walk away and say look look you know mayor this is your problem, you fix it. I mean, at the end of the day, the, you know, the, the province is responsible for everything that happens here. So I really think it's, you know, it's incumbent upon the premier who holds the cards to really take a leadership issue on this and to step up and to, and to initiate that dialogue, to get those meetings done and to, you know, really temper his words a little bit, because at the end of the day, as you say, it's, it's really him that has to, has to take up, take the step up here. Kelly Saunders, Associate Professor of Political Science at Brandon University, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Kelly, thank you. Thank you. Yesterday, I had cable installed, moved in with my girlfriend. Cable guy! And I had a cable and internet account. She only had internet. She was just basically relying on Netflix, but she does enjoy cable, likes to watch Dateline and stuff like that, and you can't get that on Netflix. So I had my account transferred over, and they said, do you want to upgrade to Blue Sky? And uh, I said, okay. And that was hard, because I had, like, my PVR was at 90% capacity. (gasps) I had, like, 90 hours of TV that I had yet to watch, and that I was eventually going to chip away at somehow. How? How are you chipping away at 90 hours? It's it's a a Did you lose all of that? I lost it all. Oh, my God. What is hard. Never mind purging closets and junk drawers. You, you handed over the PVR with the Kraken in it. It was like, uh, I was, honestly, it was like carving a piece of my soul out. <laughs> it was hard. Come this on. is yes. the bigger part of this story. It, 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 this is, I'm one of the couch potatoes. I love my TV. Holy I love my crap. cable. But my PVR is over 10 years old. Like, I bought the PVR. It's oh. not even, I'm not even renting it. It's my PVR that I've had for a decade. So even that was just kind of weird. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm like the like Grandpa Simpson, you know, old man yells at cloud. I just fear change. But I figured I'll, I'll try this blue sky. So the, the gentleman who came to hook it up, his name was Rick. Super nice guy, by the way. You talk about customer service. This guy from Shaw gave us the best customer service I've ever had uh, from a cable guy. And we've had some good cable guys visit over the years. But he walked us through. And it, it's a good thing that he was so thorough because it... There's some stuff to learn with this this Shaw Blue Sky, but it's like uh, it's like having a computer, like a smartphone inside How your PVR. So? You as a sports guy, Greg, I think would like this because while you're watching TV, they have a built-in sports feature on the Blue Sky remote where you just push the button and then it becomes a picture-in-picture thing where the main frame sort of moves off to the left and then you get this column on the right and you can scroll through different sports and mm-hmm. it'll tell you... Like, it'll give you the entire NHL schedule, and it'll tell you which games are on TV and at what time. But they also will tell you the records of each team. Mm. And if you zoom, click on one of the games, it'll open up that game, and you can get more stats. Like and a scroll? Can, yeah. Like on the bottom, or does it come up on the side? It's on the, on the right side, yeah. Okay. And then once you zoom in on it or highlight one, then it'll it'll switch to the bottom of the screen, and the picture-in-picture picture goes uh, sort of on the top. And I just, like, very quickly perused these features, so I'm not an expert on them in any way, but he just sort of tumbled down this rabbit hole of sports, and I thought, well, this is interesting, because if you're a person who watches TV, but you've got your smartphone in your hand, and Uh you're Googling, or your laptop... I don't don't know anybody like that. 
Uh, so yeah, it's super interactive. And if you're looking for something, and I didn't think I would use the voice feature, but it's so convenient to just hold your remote up, you push a button, and you say, uh, "Winnipeg Jets," and it'll pull up whenever the next Jets game is on. Or in my case, I was looking for when's the next episode of Supernatural. Supernatural, and it just pulls up when the next episode is on. You can set your series recording right there, and it's really convenient. It's neat. The the, the user. Uh, it's the user interactivity is great. The interface is wonderful. So oh. if you're thinking of cutting the cord, and we hear about this a lot, I think it's worth looking into this blue sky stuff. Like in terms cha- of keeping, yeah. keeping the cord. And it has Netflix built right into it. You can just hit a button to go to the apps, and then you log into your own Netflix, and it's right there. You probably just talk into the thing. Yeah, Open you can just Netflix. say, Netflix, and there it goes. That's... That's it's awesome. pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So so uh, now I'm worried that there'll be more TV watching for you and the more filling up of your PVR. I feel like this is positive now because you're excited about it, but then you're just going to have so much eggs from all the things you can do. Well, and that's the thing. They, the, the fact that my PVR was always at 90% capacity was mm-hmm. a constant source of anxiety. Mm-hmm. These are the things I worry about. These are the important things that the couch potatoes hey, worry about. That's fine. That's your job. They're supposed <laughs> to worry about those things. Should it be staying at 90%? No, but... And the question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Did it bother you to receive an Amber Alert from Southern Ontario? And so far at cjob.com, 73% say no, 27% say yes. We also had this poll on our, have this poll on our 680 CJOB Twitter and on Facebook. And looking at the uh, the Twitter I'm just going to check in here. 22% say yes, 78% say no. A similar result on Facebook as well. You reached out uh, to the province on this, right? Right. Emergency emergency measures is responsible from how I understand it. They send the alert to a system called Pelomorex, and then they direct it to the target areas to which are affected, which would be the various wireless carriers that are supposed to get it. Some people asking, like, why did we get this in Manitoba? Some people saying they don't care. Some people saying it didn't work at all. They've since added that, of course, they're deepest condolences go out to loved ones of the young girl who was abducted and killed yesterday and making the point that it was because of the Amber Alert and a tip from a listener that they were able to find the accused as a direct result of that Amber Alert. But the statement goes on to say from the province that Manitoba has, quote, been made aware that a number of Manitobans may have received an Amber Alert on their wireless devices intended for Ontario last night. Manitoba did not issue this Amber Alert to Manitobans, and it's working with partners in the alert-ready national public alerting system to explore this issue. So it sounds like it perhaps wasn't supposed to come to Manitoba or that there might be a, a jurisdictional issue there. We've asked the province to provide someone to further explain this. So we're hoping to get them on with either Jeff or Hal this afternoon. A minority of our interactions with our listeners were complaining and complaining is a strong word, but commenting on why did this happen? A larger proportion are, are complaining. I didn't get the alert and that bothers them more that they didn't get it. But this text messages sums it up for an awful lot of people. Why are people being so weird about this Amber alert? Who cares what province it was meant for? People have been known to abduct children and take them across the country or out of the country. Is it really that much of an inconvenience that we got this notification on our phone about a missing child? I'm sure nobody's complaining about the hundreds of notifications they get to play stupid games on Facebook or otherwise. Wow. 
Very nicely said. And you can log on to cjob.com and cast your vote. You can log on to Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, We've had a ton of interaction on that so far. So thank you very much for the feedback. And again, uh, we've had some people asking, why why didn't I get it? Um, I got the, in, the, the notification. I don't know if it, my phone made a sound because my phone wasn't in the room. Pretty sure that, uh, it did though, because, uh, I seem to remember having a conversation. What was that? I think it was an emergency notification. And then I went back to sleep. I I've never received it. Not once. And since the testing first started last June, uh, again, when we had that Amber alert that ended, you didn't get it last I, night and I didn't get it last night. But to be fair, they've also said, we've got this system. If you have issues, contact your provider first to see if you've got a setting that's wrong or something that's not working with your provider. And I actually just haven't done that because I also get alerts from police in a number of places across the country. And so I've sort of been of the state of mind that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know when these kinds of alerts go out. But it's on me in some respects to, to double check before I get all upset and say the system isn't working. Well, and I think the other side, the flip side of this discussion for those that might be complaining about getting this uh, signal and this alert is that by having the discussion... And asking the questions that we're asking today and having them answered when we do need it here in Manitoba, hopefully it will be working as close to perfectly as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a, this is still a, a project in progress. We've only had this national alert, learning system for, has it even been a year yet since mm-hmm. they rolled it out nationwide? So every time it's used, some flaws are, are apparent. The questions are asked and they'll, they'll sort out the glitches, like I say, and hopefully when we do need it here, more people than not, the people that need to get it will get it. The point being that in, you know, we just had a listener right saying my wife got the alert. I didn't. We're lying in bed and the phones are six feet apart. We're with the same provider, mm-hmm. but they do have newer phones. They're wondering if that's part of the issue. They're not concerned at all that they got it, just that it didn't work for them. And again, pointing out that because of that alert, they were at least able to find the suspect uh, in southern Ontario last night. And potentially, I mean, who's to say? I, we don't know the timeline, but it might have been close to preventing a tragedy. And that's the whole goal of the alert system to begin with. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.